the show made for moms and families. It's Channel Mom. Moms should get more credit. Back when I became a mom, I realized people thought my former career in TV news was more important than my motherhood. But that's backward because moms are raising that next generation and the world depends on us to do it well. So moms, this is your time to sit back, relax, and let Channel Mom cheer you on and equip you in your job as a mom because you're doing some of the most important work on the planet. Channel Mom, we encourage moms. Now, here's your host, Jenny Dean Schmidt. Hey, welcome moms. I am Jenny and this is Channel Mom. All about you because we encourage mothers because you guys deserve it and need it in in my estimation. We focus on your amazing value as a mother in this world, raising that next generation because the world often overlooks the impact of a mother. Really special treat for you today. Our guest is a track and field All-American who was crowned Mrs. Universe in 2021. You got to hear this woman's story today. To change your perspective on life as a woman and life as a mom. As a child, Tori Hope Peterson suffered unimaginable abuse. She went into the foster care system and was a foster child for many years. She graduated to becoming a foster parent who passionately explains their life was literally transformed through foster care. So many miracles, so much inspiration in this story. So join us for a story of finding faith and family through foster care. Coming up in just a few, like a minute on Channel Mom. Moms are a big deal, but sometimes the world forgets. That's why Channel Mom Media and Outreach is here. We exist to love, coach, and encourage every mom, whether she's struggling with parenting, single motherhood, homelessness, or locked in prison. On the radio and social media, Channel Mom works to remind each mom of her importance and give her the latest and best advice. We also reach out to moms with our hands and feet, helping homeless and incarcerated moms, as well as moms in the country and mothers in the city. You can join our work by praying for us, volunteering, or giving at ChannelMom.com. The Army National Guard plays a vital role in your community. We're on the front lines supporting essential personnel, first responders, law enforcement, and medical professionals, delivering food, supplies, and medicine, keeping communities safe, making a difference. During emergencies, we're always ready, always there. Learn more about part-time service in the Army National Guard at nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Colorado Army National Guard, aired by the Colorado Broadcasters Association at this station. Channel Mom with Jenny Dean Schmidt. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So glad you joined us today. I hope you have tuned in for a reason. Like, there's something about this show that is going to be very helpful for your life personally. Uh, I'm going to do a quick, you know what? I'm first going to share a random thought. (laughs) I went to my closet today to look for some clothes, and I was like, oh, some of them are at the dry cleaner. And I thought to myself, I did not go to the dry cleaner for like, I don't know, 12 years. Because I was a stay-at-home mom. Who dry cleans your stay-at-home mom clothes? Nobody. But in the last couple of years, I've started to go back to the dry cleaner, which means money. Anyway, I just thought somebody might identify with that story because <laughs> didn't go to the dry cleaner for a long time. All right. A shout-out to our moms in radio markets across the country in Salem, Oregon, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. 
I was moving on to Omaha too quickly. Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska, Little Rock, Springfield, also Colorado Springs, Idaho, and right here in Denver. Also, welcome to our podcast listeners. Tell your friends that they can find us anywhere that they find their favorite podcasts on Spotify, Audible, Apple, Google Podcasts. They can listen to the podcast anytime and be inspired as a mother. Last uh, Two last little announcements. My book, Mom, You're Amazing, is out there. Uh, you can find it at momyouramazing.com or also on Amazon, Mom, You're Amazing changing the world one life at a time. I share the stories of some really incredible moms, some who are famous, some who are not, and they share just really wonderful secrets to to up your mom game and, and inspire your mom life. All right, last thing. We're back in the prisons. I said back in prison on my uh, Facebook page kind of to get people's attention. But uh, we go into to pr- uh, prison in Denver. We're hoping to do this nationwide eventually to go to women's prisons all over the country to bring our curriculum to mothers in prison. You know, I, I think some people really struggle with the criminal population because they've been hurt or, or a loved one has been hurt or killed um, by somebody due to crime and so don't have a lot of sympathy for that population but what I think is if we want to stop that legacy and we don't want that child of that mom who's in prison to end up being somebody who, who does something awful to our families then we need to get to the mom while she's in prison so that's what we do we have this beautiful nine week curriculum where we go in and we work on their inner healing on their relationship with God um, so, you know some of these precious ladies accept Christ in our class and then we teach them um, healthy parenting and how to re-engage with their children so their kids won't end up in prison too so if there's something you want to be involved in we'd love to hear from you from states that uh, get our show and you can just you know reach out to us at info at channelmom.org info at channelmom.org and let us know you want to be a part of that all right what an inspirational guest we have for you today did you know that the number of foster children in America is now approaching half a million kids And our guest's life today was changed in unimaginable ways through foster care, believe it or not. But there's so much more to her story. I I don't want you just to think you can only be interested in foster care to want to hear her story. Tori Hope Peterson is a track and field All-American. Um, as I just said, you know, she's a former foster youth. She's a passion. She's passionate about foster care reform, adoption, advocacy, vulnerable populations, and seeing the love of God change people's lives. She speaks across the nation. She and her husband, Jacob, have three super sweet kids, she says, a biological son and daughter. Uh, I want to get these right. Leander and Ezri. And then an adopted adult son, Sar, her new best-selling book is Fostered, One Woman's Powerful Story of Finding Faith and Family Through Foster Care. Welcome to Channel Mom, Tori Hope-Peterson. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be on. Yeah, I'm honored to have you. I mean, you have a story that should humble us all. You know, I like to do this kind of thing called a show setup soundbite, just to go to a little tape that has to do with something about your story. I couldn't really find anything. So I thought, you know what? This woman... For all she has overcome and for all she does to inspire and help others, uh, just deserves a round of applause. So that is for you, my friend. You have just overcome and, and through God. And so um, I just, I so appreciate your story. All right. So I want to, to mention how you open your book. You write something for everybody listening today, not just folks who have something to do with the foster care system. You say, ultimately, I've written this book, not so you can see what God did through me, but so that you will believe what God can do through you, no matter the odds. And man, I hope that's what that happens today. You have this powerful message, Tori, about all that you've been through. And, you know, I want you to start with that memory. 
you you say you have a memory, which seems impossible, of before you were born, but I think it's because it's been passed on to you. I want people to know what you came from. So just just go for it and and tell folks the story of your pre-birth and then, you know, the first year or two, what what you went through, the the abuse you suffered and the kind of home you lived in. Yeah, when I say that I had a memory before I was born, obviously that's not possible, but it's uh, the story that my mom told me growing up. And we know that stories have a great effect on us, um, whether we actually memorize it or not. So when I was nine years old, my mom told me that um, before I was born, I was conceived of abuse. And she was in a very difficult circumstance. Both of her parents had passed away, but she gave me life, and I was very grateful for that. I've seen my mom as a very heroic figure in my life, despite the abuse and the neglect that I have endured. I really do see my mom as a woman who tried her hardest, as a woman who wanted to love me well, um, despite everything she had been through. Yeah, let me let, so, let, let me interject. I, do I have this wrong? Was she not raped, and, and that's how you were conceived? Yeah, I think that's what I said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I can't. I mean, with all of the debate going on over Roe v. Wade, and and you're telling the story that she was raped and she still chose to give you life, and now you're changing the world. I just, I think that's something to ponder. Um, so, so that is what she did. She did her best. She came from a place where her own parents weren't even there anymore. She she went through abuse herself. So then you lived in this environment where you just wanted people to see you. And so talk about this little girl who, who just was in neglect and, and nobody noticed her and you could just wander off and run away, which you did, and nobody even noticed you. Can, can you talk about the kind of environment you were growing up in as a, as a little girl? Yeah, it was just a very volatile environment. My mom didn't have very healthy people um, in her life. And um, there was, yeah, I remember one time I write in my book about, you know, running away and being gone for hours and no one noticing me and me hoping that someone would come and find me. And as my, as I got older, my mom's mental illness got worse and I had to re-enter the foster care system for the second time as an adolescent. And when I moved from home to home to home, I just felt very displaced. Like no one wanted me. And it was very, very hard. Yeah. Um, you still love your mom though, because she chose to give you life and, and she clearly loves you. She, there, there's a bit in this, the book about how she just thought you were the most beautiful, wonderful thing. She just didn't know how to take care of you. So you landed in foster care when you were about five, but, the, and, but then you went back to her and she said she would never let you go back to foster care. What happened? You know, I think that she just didn't have the capacity in her mental illness to, um, to take care of my sister and I. So we re-entered the foster care system and I thought that this was going to be an opportunity for me and my sister to kind of escape the abuse, the the neglect, and we're going to have, you know, somewhat of a normal family. But within a month of being in that first foster home, my sister and I were separated and we were separated because I reported abuse that had happened to my sister and I was wanting to protect her. And then when we were separated, it was like I couldn't protect her at all. Um, so foster, the foster care system just felt like this very out of control, out of control place. Um, it was like I left one chaotic situation and entered another chaotic, unsafe situation. Yeah. However, you're a proponent for foster care. So I want to talk about that. You lived in 12 different foster homes until you were 18. There was a happy ending at the end of that that was is part of what turned you into a Division II All-American track athlete. But I, so I want you to tell the end of that story. But then I want to go back and, and talk a little bit about 
the foster care system in America and, and why you are a proponent of it, but why you also say it needs a lot of help because you, your sister suffered abuse. You went through a lot of, you know, let, let's just say hell. I mean, it was awful in some ways. So can you talk about um, the, how you were rescued out of the foster care system first? I had a track coach who came into my life uh, my sophomore year of high school. And then between my junior and senior year, he um, just encouraged me. And he said, Tori, I believe that you can go on and you can be a state champion. I think that you can get a scholarship to college. And I just thought, okay, I'm just going to give it a try. And if it doesn't work out, this was his crazy idea. So I'm going to blame it on him. And um, (laughs) Just blame it on him. Okay, I get it. We became really close over that year, and we trained together. He became like the father figure that I was searching for. At the same time, I was going to church, and a different identity was just being spoken over me, that I was a child of God, that uh, there was a plan and purpose for my life. And everyone in my church, nearly everyone in my church leadership, they did foster care to some capacity. That doesn't mean they were foster parents, but they were uh, either they gave to foster care nonprofits or they volunteered. Um, our, our church was just very involved in mission work um, locally, abroad, and mission being the foster care system as well. So um, I just saw that, and I was very drawn to the heart of Jesus. Um, and I, in, in their love, all of their love for me, I came to understand that Jesus loved me. And I wanted him to be a part of my life. I wanted him, I wanted to give my whole life to him. And uh, that year I went on and I became a four-time state champion in track and field. And that allowed me to get a full-ride scholarship to college and become a part of the 3% of foster youth to graduate from college. And I did become an All-American. But before all of that, you know, people are always like, oh, they think that that's the best part. But really the best part is that my track coach, I emancipated the day I turned 18. I was instantly homeless. Like 20% of youth who experience foster care are the day they turn 18. But my they become coach tw- 20% become homeless. Twenty. You just said 20. two really important statistics there. 20% of foster youth become homeless once they turn 18. Only 3% of foster youth graduate with a bachelor's degree, which is something you did. Um, those are incredible statistics. So I just wanted to, to repeat them. So, so you, you say you were 18, you were suddenly a couch surfer, which is by definition homeless. Uh, you didn't have anywhere to go, anywhere to turn, nobody to take care of you. And you're 18. I mean, I was still taking care of my kids when they were 18. Um, so, so tell us what happened from there. Well, my track coach, he welcomed me into his home and he said, you know, our family wants you to be a part of our family. And He's still my dad today. He's who my kids call grandpa. He's the man who walks me down the aisle at my wedding, and he's one of my dearest friends. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of kids that they go into the foster care system, and they or they go out of the foster care system, they go to college, say, and they don't have a place to go back to for the holidays. So, you know, colleges will send emails, and they'll say, you know, everyone has to be off campus during these days for Christmas and Thanksgiving for Easter, the holidays, and they have nowhere to go. Um, and so I was always so grateful to always know that I had I had a place to come back to. And I always do. Yeah. That, that is, is, kudos to your – should that, that applause should have been for your track coach as well because he's your dad. He, he's your dad. There, there's the applause for your track coach. Uh, what's his name? Yeah. His name is Scott. And I always say it's so true because when I tell this story, I get the honor of telling the story. And people – you know, they praise me a lot, but the story has so little to do with me and so much to do with my track coach, with the church, with people in my community picking up 
the mantle that is often scary and hard to pick up and saying, like, we're going to love this young woman in front of us, even when she's hard to love, because we believe that there's a purpose and plan for her life and that she's made in the image of God. Amen. So I want to land on three things, Tori, that I think are really going to benefit people today. Um, Number one. Let's talk about the the foster system. In my book um, that I was just talking about at the top of the show, I interview a woman named Linda who uh, she and her husband Jerry have fostered 103 children over a period of about 25 years, 103 kids. And she said to me, I don't remember a moment when I felt truly loved back or appreciated by those kiddos, but she still felt called to raise them. So she didn't do it because she was getting stuff out of it, right? And, and I think about the fact that she persisted and didn't necessarily get rewarded, but she believed in loving those children for God, as you said. Um, what, can, what is the deal with our foster system? What, what, what would you say really needs to happen? Yeah, um, you know, I think, you know, part of the problem is the foster care system, bureaucracy. But really, I think the problem might be our culture and how we view the foster care system and the children in it. So, you know, we, there's a lot of stigmas and stereotypes um, that are placed on youth in foster care. And when we see kids as all of these negative labels, then we're not going to want to interact with them. When we see the foster care system as this, this corrupt system that we don't want to touch, then we're not going to want to be involved. But if we see kids for who they truly are, made in the image of God, when we say that chances are the dictator, God's hand is, and we're going to be God's instrument in his hand, and we're going to be a part of this system, then that's when the system changes. And that's why I'm a proponent for the foster care system. Yes, it was hard. Yes, it is corrupt. But we have the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, which means, as believers, we can step into the most broken places and bring wholeness to them, and we can bring healing to them. Yeah, and you are doing that with your adult son, Sar, and I applaud you for that as well. But... um you know, I, I, here's where I want to land for a second. I, I'm a fan of saying, and, and you know, I come from a family, you know, a lot of whom don't really follow Jesus the way that, that I do. I mean, they don't believe the Bible is, the, you know, the inerrant word of God and so on. And, but but I, I often say, you know, you don't get Jesus until you get Jesus. And, and I think about so many of us as Christians, and, and I'm not putting anybody down except myself right now, we forget how much he loves us and how that should invigorate us and, and, and fill us in to be equipped to love others. And we are literally called to be his hands and feet. And I think sometimes we're like, yay, I get to go to heaven and I give a little money away and I, I, get, I pray and I ask Jesus for all the good things for my family. But we forget like, oh, no, 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 no. He indwells us with his love and we are called to be just this stream of living water that comes through us. And you're reminding me today that that's what saved your life. Is, is that the people that were in your church that were very involved in the foster system, your track coach who decided to love you for Jesus, you, the people in the church that decided to love you for Jesus, that, my friend, is what we are called to be as we believe in Christ, as we follow him, as we know that we are saved by him, as we know that we are his beloved. Can you speak into that? Yeah, I think uh, the best way that I can talk about it, I think I, I have to share a story with you. There's this woman named Tanya, and she was a chaperone in my youth group, and every week she would come and pick me and my sister up, and she would feed us a meal, she would take us to church, and when things would get unsafe in the home with my mom, Tanya would come take us, and she would take us to the zoo, and 
she would involve us in the things that her family was doing. And then me and my sister, when we went to the Hi. foster care system, <laughs> that's my son. Okay. Hello. Hello. Radio. <laughs> yes. um, when we went to the foster care system, the second time around, we went in two days before Christmas. And so um, she was like, I don't want them to go into the system two days before Christmas because I don't know if these people are going to have presents for them. And there's just different family dynamics that we might not know about that we're stepping into and that we might feel left out. And so he said, um, instead of them going into the system, can they come to, to my house? And can they do Christmas with our family? And so she got all these presents for me and my sister and like a ton, like a ton of presents. Yeah. And so, so many, more than her kids combined, me and my sister got. And I open all my presents, and then I say, I want to go to Walmart tomorrow, and I want to return these <laughs> for gift cards. And she said, okay. And the next day, she sat in this long line with me, and um, we returned all these things for gift cards. And then I get older and more mature, and Tanya is my mother figure today. I love her greatly. And I asked her, I said, Tanya, why did you let me do that? Like, why didn't you teach me a lesson on gratefulness like that was terrible that I did that yeah. and she said that's not what would have communicated love to you in that moment and so I think that that's really you know I think that's what God does to us he um, reaches out to us and he communicates love to us in a way that we can understand um, and he chases us until we come to know him yeah yeah, and you've received a whole healing through that. You you also talk a little bit in the, the book that you're biracial and you've had to overcome things in that regard. Um, can you just talk a minute about that? Because we only got about five left in the show, and I want to make sure we, we tell people how you would encourage them to get involved in the foster care system. But 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 tell us how you, some of the struggles you faced. As, as, as you said, people um, stereotype kids in foster care, and you went through an identity as a biracial girl and then woman. And, like, what, what are some of the hurdles yeah, I think that, you know, in the foster care system, as a person who's mixed, there's just so much confusion around, like, where do I belong? Again, like, no one no one wants me. No one thinks I belong in their space. And um, there's just a lot of confusion around it. But when I came to the church, it was a place that I did feel like I belonged. And I came to understand that, like, there are people who might want to kick me out of their home and they don't want me to be in their space, but God has created a room for me in the kingdom of heaven, and his opinion of me trumps any other opinion. Yeah, that, it's beautiful. I want, I want to say one other thing. For, for folks who don't understand why... Um, foster kids have that, you know, abandonment issue and, and that they can't attach, you know, the attachment disorder or whatever. What was really going on when you were resisting and when you called yourself unlovable? What was going on in your head about these people that were trying to care for you? Um, I think that I just thought that they were going to leave me. Um, oh. I just always felt like at the end of the day, something was going to implode um, or that... But I don't know, something was going to go wrong eventually. And then I think there were sometimes I was just ungrateful and I thought that what they were doing wasn't good enough and I had to mature and uh, lessen my expectations of people. Yeah, and, and refuse to throw up those walls. 
um, because yeah. you were throwing up those walls. Um, all right, my dear, I want people to be inspired today. Uh, what would you suggest to folks that, that, you know, how, what they can get of your story of overcoming? Cause I know you want to speak to hurting people today and then how they might be moved to, to help somebody like you. Well, if you look at what my track coach did, you know, he did, he did not have a certification in foster care. He didn't have a diploma. People always ask what he does for a living. He's a factory worker. He's the most ordinary, humble man. But And then he'll come to speaking engagements with me sometimes, and, you know, people will be like, oh, what you did was amazing. And he's just like, yeah, it was just the right thing to do. Like, so I think, you know, when I, when I encourage people to get involved, like, just do the right thing. Do the next thing in love. It's really simple. It's, it's not as complicated as we make it. Just do uh, what you can with what you have right where you are and love the person in front of you because that could change the trajectory of someone's life. Amen, girl. And you know what? That's also healing. When we're struggling with things that we're struggling with, depression and anxiety and things like that, I struggle with anxiety sometimes. And I find that if I just get past myself and stop looking at my own belly button, so to speak, navel gazing, if I just get over myself and help somebody and love somebody for Jesus, it makes all the difference. So, my dear, how do people how do people find you and your book? Um, you can order my book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Walmart, wherever you want to purchase the book. It is called Fostered, One Woman's Powerful Story of Finding Faith and Families Through Foster Care, and it releases October 15th. Awesome. Fostered is the short title by Tori Hope Peterson, so go out and look for it. Tori, thank you so much. God bless you and your family and your, your dad and mom that, that have come into your life. Um, just love your story. Thank you for being on Channel Mom. Thank you. All right. So that just goes to show you the impact of a parent who loves a child, the impact of somebody willing to step forward and mother or father. Um, you, you change the world as moms. And, and that's why I want to cheer you on from this show. Even when you feel overlooked, overworked and underappreciated, you are making a difference by the way in which you sacrifice to raise your children well. So thank you for all that you do. Remember, you can become a part of us. You can tell people about our podcast. You can pray for us. You can give to us. Donate at channelmom.org. Uh, we love to hear from you, so feel free to email us, info at channelmom.org. That's about enough. Hello to my mom and dad and my kiddos and my husband, all of that. <laughs> Thanks, Jim, for helping me out today. God bless you guys. If Channel Mom Radio and podcasts give your mom life a boost of encouragement, would you consider supporting us? In order to keep our broadcasts on the air and serve moms and kids on the ground, we need help from listeners like you. You can support us through a one-time donation or by signing up to be a monthly partner at an amount of your choice. Just go to channelmom.org and click donate at the top of the page. New monthly donors will receive a special gift package in the mail. While research shows moms are undervalued and families are struggling to stay together, Channel Mom works to lift up motherhood and add value to your family. We depend on donors like you to provide outreach to at-risk moms in prison and homeless shelters or dealing with single motherhood. Our life-changing programs are over capacity, so your donation will help us serve more moms and kids. Be a part of the change you want to see for mothers and families. Visit channelmom.org and click donate. We thank you for your generous support, and may God bless you for coming alongside Channel Mom.